everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined alongside my trusted colleague Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, it is Wednesday, which in the NFL world is turn the page day. And the Packers now looking forward to Sunday afternoon at FedEx Field in the nation's capital. Packers Redskins, a noon central, one Eastern time kickoff. So let's break down that NFC East Washington team a little bit. And it starts with their brand-new quarterback, Alex Smith. Uh, the Redskins obviously moved on from Kirk Cousins. He became a free agent, signed with the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, Alex Smith coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs to now run Washington's offense. Well, it's just funny, Mike, and it just shows you the levels to this thing in terms of the NFL uh, where you have a team like Washington, which for so many years could not really come to an agreement didn't really know what they wanted to do at quarterback, if Kirk Cousins was their guy or not. Well, Cousins ends up becoming an unrestricted free agent and then becomes at that time like getting the highest paid, you know, yeah. uh, free they agent. They had franchise tagged him twice. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, it was it was kind of weird the way that that situation played out. Be that as it may, you have him go over to the Minnesota Vikings and then you have the we have Washington trade for Alex Smith and then give him the extension that. They never gave to, to Kirk Cousins. So <laughs> right. certainly they feel like uh, Smith is a guy that, that can lead them to where they want to go. And, and, you know, he's been doing this thing for a long time. You kind of know the game with him. He's going to protect the football. There's not always going to be those explosive plays, but he's going to be consistent. And Packers have had a lot of wars with Alex Smith over the years, dating back to his time with San Francisco and even with Kansas City. And uh, this is another chapter in that, uh, that rivalry. Yeah, when there's uh... – the descriptions that come to mind for me with regards to Alex Smith, I always think of efficiency and minimal mistakes. Yeah. You said he doesn't really turn the ball over. You look at his statistics, he's always around 70% completions or at least high 60s. As you said, not a whole lot of explosive plays, though he started to make a few more of those with those weapons in Kansas City last year, some of the speed that they had on the perimeter. But uh, with Alex Smith now, will this be the this will be the third different opponent that as far as Aaron Rodgers versus Alex Smith, yeah. they're they're always going to be tied because of that 2005 draft. Yeah. Smith goes number one overall, and then Aaron Rodgers waits forever in the green room. Well, now Rodgers has faced him. You know, San Francisco, Kansas City. Now it will be Washington. So just another little side story to that. But uh, when it comes to his weapons here in this Jay Gruden offense in Washington, for me anyway, it starts with that tight end, Jordan Reed. I yeah. think he is going to be the toughest matchup for really any defense that faces Washington this year. He's big, he's athletic, he can take it down the seam, he can break tackles, get yards after the catch, all those kinds of things. I think he's the guy that uh, that they want to run this passing offense through once kind of everybody gets settled in to what they're doing. Yeah, I, I think Jordan Reed certainly is a, a premier tight end in this league. I think Chris Thompson has shown, too, out of the backfield, uh, being a multidimensional player that you kind of mm -hmm. need in this day and age with the game. But but Reed is the guy, I think, that sort of jumps off the page to you. Now, he hasn't like gotten off to this super crazy start uh but i mean he has been a guy that appears to have developed an early chemistry with alex smith the the transition smith's gonna have to make and and he did it to some extent when he was in san francisco is he's not it doesn't appear at least and this is no disrespect to washington it doesn't appear he's gonna have the weapons that he had in kansas city the past few years in terms of the yeah. speed element and the explosiveness out of the backfield uh, going back to jamal charles and then transitioning uh last year to to obviously the 
the, the season that they had there in the running game. So it's going to be different. Uh, there are some older weapons in this. I mean, Jamison Crowder's a guy that's been there for a number of years now, uh, Josh Doxson. And then them having all of these, you know, you, you saw this week, Michael Floyd gets signed, uh, and then Brashard uh, Breland ends up getting signed as well. It's going to be interesting to see where all these pieces fit for them now because you're adding veterans and you're adding them late in the process. I imagine you're not going to see much of them uh, – Going forward, I said Bouchard Breland, uh, Bouchard Perriman. Yeah, Perriman. Uh, <laughs> a lot of Bouchards going on, but uh, but it, whatever the case may be, sure. There's a lot of different people that that Alex Smith is going to have to get comfortable with. Yeah, they're trying to figure out exactly what uh, their receiving core is is going to be. They spent some big money on Paul Richardson, a free agent from Seattle, and then you mentioned Doxson, a former first round draft pick who really hasn't lived up to the expectations. They're still experiencing drop passes and lack of consistency and all that. He's right. he's a you know a long limb guy. He's got the speed, all the all the physical you know the measurable stuff is there but it just hasn't come together for him yet so they're still waiting on uh on Doxon. you mentioned chris thompson always seems like the redskins have one of these sort of i don't i don't like to overuse hybrid player but one of these uh offensive gadget. Yeah, yeah offensive gadget type of players and and that's no disrespect to thompson it's just he's one of these guys that can kind of line up anywhere in an offensive formation and you have to figure out how you're going to match up with him yeah i mean in, in thompson that's his that's his trade it's not even disrespectful that that that's what he brings to the table that's what he offers i mean he's five foot eight hundred 95 pounds he's never carried the ball more than 70 times in a season but yet you look the last few years uh, 510 receiving yards this year almost has doubled up the other receivers on this team in terms of the yeah. amount of opportunities he's had as a pass catcher so he's a guy you're gonna have to account for and then on the other side of it they're bell cow back here the first two weeks has been adrian peterson yeah the history with the green bay packers is well defined peterson is a different player at this stage of his career but he's still hungry man and and although things were kind of up and down last year with arizona he still had that one game where he carried the ball what 37 times or something like that and and was able to still be effective so at this stage of his career i don't know if he's still the same type of player he was uh when the packers were having to go toe-to-toe with him two times a year but he's still a guy that you can't overlook yeah peterson already kind of being up and down much like this entire washington team through the first two weeks looked very impressive in week one in week one against arizona and what we saw of arizona in week two it makes you wonder just where they're headed in 2018 then washington they have their home opener against the Indianapolis Colts. The reports were there were like 20,000 empty seats. Uh, the fans not coming out to support the team. They only scored nine points offensively. They lose to the Andrew Luck-led uh, Indianapolis Colts 21-9, I believe was the final score. Peterson has a really nice game rushing the ball against the Cardinals, but then it was something around 10 carries for 20 yards yeah. against uh, the Colts. So really hard to figure out. You know, They're, they're still trying to, to find their way here with their new quarterback and what they're doing offensively. The one thing that this is a good situation for him, at least it appears to be, because uh, you know I don't know what their plans are for how they're going to attack this backfield going forward, but you saw last year how effective he was in spurts in Arizona in contrast to how New Orleans was using him. I mean, he's not, he's just not a part time player. He's a guy that you have to build up. You have to give him those touches. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like, by all accounts, right now, Washington's going to give him that opportunity. All right. Well, before we get to Washington's defense, a little sponsor business here, Wes. At home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. Soup official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay. 
defensive side, the name that jumps out to me when I look at Washington's defense is Josh Norman as yeah. that number one cornerback. Now, we saw a pretty good matchup last week, Xavier Rhodes against Devontae Adams. They were matched up, I would say, the vast majority of the game. I, I didn't necessarily track or chart every single snap. I thought Adams did a heck of a job. I know a pass or two he'd like to have back in terms of you know some uh, passes that I'm sure he felt he should have or could have caught. Um, but Adams won his share against Xavier Rhodes, and uh, so this matchup, I, I would imagine Josh Norman is going to be the guy on Devontae Adams. I, I think Adams is off to a, a decent start because he's going to see these number one corners from the opponent pretty much all season long, don't you think? Yeah, and I mean, the thing about Josh Norman is he's just, and, and this is no disrespect to the rest of the secondary there for Washington, but he's head and shoulders their stud. I yeah. mean, he's a guy that, you know, without knowing exactly how they do it, uh, you go back to his time in Carolina, he's a shutdown corner. He's a guy that can travel with guys, can try to shut down the top guy and, and you know, reduce that, that threat. The nice thing about Adams, though, is he's a legitimate number one at this point. You can put mm-hmm. him up against any corner in the league, and he's going to get his separation. He's going to get his opportunities. As you just illustrated, I think we saw that to some extent against Minnesota, despite the fact he was playing through that shoulder injury. Uh, but, but yeah, from there, I mean, you have Quinton Dunbar is their other one. He was a former uh, college free agent. DJ Swearinger, who actually took a visit, I think, with the Packers, I want to say in 2014 or 15. He's kind of resurrected his career as a safety uh, in Washington the past few seasons, has made some plays this year. Uh, I think he has, I want to say, 10 interceptions over the last three years. So they do have playmakers back there, but, but certainly everything starts and stops uh, with the coverage aspect of Josh Norman. They paid him a lot of money to be their number one, and he's he's lived up to that so far. Yeah, as far as Washington's defensive front, not a lot of household names, I guess you would say. If there's one guy that stands out from a name perspective, it's pass rusher Ryan Kerrigan. Yeah. But a group that is pretty solid. This is the this isn't a, a defensive front seven that's a, that's a bunch of pushovers by any means. They they do a solid job against the run. They get after quarterbacks pretty well. Again, it's it's not a whole bunch of Pro Bowlers, and you know the Packers have certainly faced their share of tough defense defensive fronts so far with the Bears and the Vikings. But uh, but this Washington group is uh, you know they're not too bad. Yeah, and Kerrigan was answering some questions with Washington's media this week about you know just kind of being off to a slow start. He has one assist to tackle, I think, in two games and, and no sacks. So, uh, but yeah, he's been so consistent over the course of his career. I mean, he's pretty much always good for seven or eight sacks a season. They've featured him in this defense now for the last six seven years uh he's been their number one guy regardless of who the defensive coordinator is or what the scheme is so um you have to imagine that that's a guy they're still gonna have to you know take an account and and nullify and then uh uh farnell mcphee or pernell whatever his name is from chicago has also landed there as well also off to kind of a slow start but a guy that at times in his career has been a really effective pass rusher for me uh one of my favorite guys in their defense is mason foster um, you know, and he's another guy too, much like Swearinger, uh, and also coming from Tampa Bay, was really able to sort of resurrect himself and, and was a guy that I think a couple of years ago had 120 some tackles in this defense. Yeah. He's a downhill type guy. I mean, he's a first and second down type, you know, tackler, but uh, I think what he's done in Washington's defense the last three seasons, um, you, you have to, you have to respect it because he's, he's a dude that is a hard nosed football player. And then you also pair him inside with Zach Brown. Those are, those are two guys that you have to take into account against the run. Yeah. Well, what do you make? overall of this Washington team, Wes. I know it's only two weeks in. 
But it seems it seems the narrative in the Jay Gruden regime there in Washington has always been a lack of consistency, and and it was the same thing with Kirk Cousins at quarterback. They could light the world on fire and look like they're going to contend for the NFC's championship with right. the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Giants and all that. And then the very next week, you know, they kind of fall flat on their face, and then everybody says, "Well, it's not going to be this year." And, and these first two games of the 2018 season, it, it's like the narrative hasn't changed. Yeah, and it's probably going to be, I don't want to say it's a make-or-break season for Gruden. I, I actually give uh, the Washington credit for the patience they've had. They've tended to be quite reactionary uh, with how they've done things. <laughs> Just a tad. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, outs- honestly, think about it, though. Yeah. I mean, outside yeah. of, what, Joe Gibbs coming back, there really hasn't been much patience there with coaches. They've Agreed. given Gruden that benefit of the doubt, but at some point, too, you do want to see the consistency rise. You want to see you know, things kind of you know, pan out. But the one thing they have going for them now is one way or another, they know who their quarterback is. There isn't this year-to-year question mark of whether or not it's going to be Kirk Cousins. You know you're going to have Alex Smith. He's still at a relatively young age for the position, considering how he plays it and, and really how long these guys are playing into their careers. So from that aspect, I think you have something to build around. But it is going to be a question if defensively they can really get the group together that they need to be able to complement Smith. Because every sp- every spot Smith has been – as consistent as he is, yeah. he's needed a defense to complement him. For the short time he was with San Francisco, when they started to become real contenders, he, he had that yep. with Vic Fangio's group. Absolutely. In Kansas City, you started to get that with Justin Houston and, and company. So it's going to be on Washington defensively as well to, to be able to rise to the occasion and give him the support he needs to, to really be the type of team that could consistently compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, well, the Packers in the Aaron Rodgers era, kind of a mixed bag, I guess, as far as going to FedEx Field. I remember being at the game in 2010. Mason Crosby had a chance to win the game in regulation with a long field goal, 53 yards yeah. maybe it was, and ends up hitting the upright, you know, clank off the top of the upright. I mean, the kick would have been good from 65 yards. He hit it so well, but just nicked the top of the upright and uh, was no good there. Then you go, you fast forward to 2015. The Packers end up going there as a road team in the wild card playoffs, fall behind 11 to nothing. And the FedEx field crowd is really into it. They're thinking, okay, here, you know, here come the Redskins. And then the Packers outscore them 35 to 7 the rest of the way. Aaron Rodgers puts on a show and the Packers defense clamps down. That was when uh, J.C. Treader was playing left tackle, if I remember right, uh, because Bakhtiari wasn't back from an ankle injury. Then the following year, 2016, 16, the Packers go to Washington for Sunday night football, a back-and-forth game through three quarters, and then suddenly in the fourth quarter, Cousins and the big plays just kind of smoked Green Bay, pulled away at the end, and uh, that ended up being, if I'm not mistaken, the last loss that for was the, the Packers yes. until the NFC Championship game against Atlanta. So a lot of history here in terms of uh, in terms of how the Packers have played there, but a lot of ups and downs. Run the Table officially started that Wednesday after that Washington game, right. but, but I, in a lot of ways I think it actually began in the second half uh, because that's where you saw Jared Cook finally emerge. I still remember writing that story uh, about, you know, okay, this could be really big for the offense if they can keep Cook going like this and yeah. he's finally healthy. There just was a – they lost that game, but there was just a different swagger and – uh, and certainly you go back to the playoffs, too, and in that win that they had uh, these past, uh, whatever it was, a couple seasons ago, those are the type of, to, to go back to your original point with the mixed bag, yes, there has been that, but it's also been at times I feel like they've also gotten something out of it to propel them forward. And, you know, coming off the tie this week, I think they're looking for the same kind of uptick 
uh, you know, going into the, the latter half of September. Yeah, all right. Well, we are halfway through the week, and we've got more to talk about with this matchup on our upcoming shows. But for now, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.